Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I have been away for the past three weeks. I was in the States from January 16th until February 5th, and I did not record uh, during that time, and I didn't interview anyone, and I was on the road, and I spoke about 24 times, and I slept in nine different places, and I was in maybe 10, 15, I don't know, a lot of different places, a lot of different cities, and um, I am home. I've been home for five days, and um, doing my first show in a while kind of telling you my thoughts uh, about my excursion and I hope it's a good show. I hope you enjoy and I welcome you to call in, write in and um, let me know what you think. And those of you who did see me, who I was able to meet in person, it was great to meet you and thank you for coming to see me and to hear what I had to say. Um, it was um, It was a good trip. Here we go. Hey everybody, it's me Natalie. I am speaking from my home in Susia, in the southern Hebron Hills. I was away <clears throat> for a long time, three weeks, three Shabbats. And I got home two days ago, and I don't think I even have any jet lag. So I am thrilled. And I was not able to record. I was just too busy. It was constant go, go, go. I was on the road. I was with donors. I was very very busy and just didn't have any time to record um i did actually do two live broadcasts with other people i was their guest i was a guest in um a show in a uh, new york city what's it called brooklyn i think and i was in a show in um some city near orlando but um i was not able to record and i am sorry i wasn't able to because now i have to think of all those things that were passing through my head while I was on the road. But I do remember this, and this is why I'm recording right now. All the different people I met um, told me that they felt connected. And some of the Jews I met, the Orthodox Jews who had been to Israel and have relatives here and a familiarity with Israel, they told me that they are constantly on their phones, constantly in touch, watching the news, talking to friends, and they go to sleep with their phone watching the news and they wake up with their phones watching the news. You know, I said to them, why are you doing that? What, what is that doing? And they uh, kind of, you know, said, well, I need to know what's going on. And I want to know. And I was like, well, is, is, it help, is that helpful to you? Is that helpful to me? Is that helping anybody? I mean, what news are you really, are you really getting? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Even I don't do that. I'm, and I have two kids in the army. And they, uh, you know, kind of looked at me funny. And what they wanted to tell me was that their hearts are with us. And I know that. And that's great. But watching your phone 24 hours a day, reading the news, which is, you know, not 100% true news. People, you know, tell you what they want you to hear. Whatever news bias there is, there's always bias, okay? So reading the news, whatever it is, isn't even giving you the full picture. And what's the point? What is the point um, of being constantly? I mean, check it a couple times a day, you know. But um, I told everybody that I sleep at night and I am able to. And it's important to take care of yourself. And they were like, what? You sleep? Aren't you worried all the time? Well, being worried all the time 
isn't very good for anybody. It's not good for my family, and it's not good for me. So, no, I don't worry all the time. I sleep. Thinking about things and worrying all the time would make a person go crazy, and I wouldn't be able to function. And I have to function, okay? I have a big job to do. I have to bring in funding so that our medics can have the equipment they need to save lives. That's big. That's big. And that means I need to function. Um, and um, I'm not the only one who needs to function. I think every mommy needs to function and every daddy needs to function. We all need to keep our home clean and productive. So when our boys come home from the front, they have clean sheets, food to eat, and a mommy and daddy that is well rested and ready to give them a big hug, right? It's not going to help anybody if I'm sick. It's not going to help anybody if the place is a mess. That's ridiculous. Um, so those of you who are listening, who love Israel, care about Israel, and your hearts are with us, we appreciate that. But you also have to maintain sanity, and you have to be productive in your world. So go to work, feed your children, you know, <laughs> wash yourselves, do what you've got to do, and help us as you, as you can, you know, send donations, come and visit, say prayers, say to pilot, go to the synagogue, um, you know, write letters to your Congress people, whatever. You know, you can be productive and more. You can be productive plus helping Israel. But don't give up your life and be glued to your phone like a maniac. There's just nothing really good in that. There's nothing really productive in that. So that's one thing. Another thing I thought was very um, interesting, I'm not going to say good or bad. You guys can tell what I mean when I tell you what I'm talking about. Wherever I went, and people wanted to take my picture or get in a picture with me, they would look at the camera and smile. Smile, okay? But there was nothing to smile about. I wasn't there on a joyous occasion, you know? It's, it's pretty depressing what's going on. So I refused to smile. And I told everyone around me, there's nothing happy here, so I'm not going to smile. And it was strange to me that people were behaving that way. Just, I, I just couldn't understand that. Do you smile at a funeral? Why would you smile when I'm here talking about a war? It was just, it was just so, like, so don't tell me you're connected, you know what I'm saying? Don't tell me your hearts are with us when you don't even understand that we're in pain here and our boys are fighting and our boys are dying, okay? It is not something to smile about and it's not something that's happening in some other world. It's happening in our world. And if you're, conne if you're connected to Israel, then it's happening in your world. So when you see people coming to visit, be sensitive, please. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I just really couldn't believe it. Um, and this happened over and over again. But that's, um, the, you know, that, that was really the worst of it. The rest was fine. People were really nice. People do seem to care. A lot of questions. And, yeah, the news... Um, that the American public is getting is really minuscule and 
they just aren't here and they're not living with it so they don't get it and it's a shame you know it's a shame this is the place to be i'm so glad we live here and um those are my thoughts for today and i will go over my trip actually and and see if there are other things i want to share with you but I, i went i went all over you know i went to suburbs of philadelphia i went to wilmington where i grew up spoke to a hadassah group hadassah women and um, I spoke in the main line, Lower Marion. I spoke in Teaneck. I spoke in New York City. Oh, I have Sadek Synagogue. I was there for Shabbat. Um, I spoke at the Vorhan Shul, and I think it's 91st Street in the, on the Upper West Side. And um, I also had a Shabbat in Edison, New Jersey, Highland Park, Edison. Wow, great community there. Um, that was during a snowstorm, and people still came out to see me. And where else did I go? Um, I flew down to Florida and I was in Orlando, the Orlando JCC. I went to the villages and I went to a place in um, uh, Winter Park. And then I also went to uh, Deerfield Beach and I ended up at the very end in, what's it called, Bell Harbor. And um, I think in total I spoke maybe 20 times, maybe 24 times, um, every Shabbat, maybe three or four times. And um, it was very, very tiring. And I didn't even get to some places that people wanted me to get to. And some of you listening to this program actually invited me to your community. And I'm sorry if I wasn't able to get there. I, I just, I'm one person, you know, and going from place to place takes time and energy and I just can't be at two places at once. Um, a few times I even had a talk during the day and a talk at night. And, um, you know, there just takes some hustling around, you know, packing up my computer, packing up all my side sheets and all my, all my materials, you know, it's just a lot. So um, I am already looking at the calendar to do one more trip before the summer, probably before Pesach. I'm looking at April 10th to 17th. And if uh, people are listening and you want me to come to your community, please tell me now. And um, I'm really only going to be able to speak to communities that have a gathering of like, you know, 100 people, you know, no less than, than 60. I just can't. It's, it's too, um, so, you know, some of the crowds I had were small because there was snow. And I do understand that, but I can't be running around for, for small groups. It's just too, too much energy for a small group. I need big groups. People want to know what's going on, and a lot of people need to hear what I have to say. I can't, um, you know, it's just it's just tiring. But um, if you build up the uh, publicity and, you know, tell your friends and tell your community and have people in charge get the word out, you'll fill up the room. And that happened. It happened. I had full groups, and it was great. And a lot of people are now finding out what is going on here. And, and they really are thirsty for knowledge. That was really interesting. People were really like, um, the questions were, were pretty good. And people, you can tell they, they care and they want to know. And they are, you know, I, I said to every single group, um, this war is not over. Just because it's not on your news anymore, don't think it's over, it isn't. And everybody, was nodding along. We know. We know it's not over. We know. So that was great. Um, but these are special people with a special interest in Israel. The general public are not the people who came to see me. Okay. 
the general public, Joe and Mrs. Joe Smith, USA, are not interested in Israel. They could care less what's going on, and they don't know. And if you listen to the U.S. news, you don't hear anything about Israel. You hear stuff about the Super Bowl. You don't hear about the about Israel. So um, that that is the state of things. The Jews are a very very small percentage of American, the the American population, maybe one percent. Okay, out of um, what are twenty three million people in America, and there are six million Jews. I think my numbers are wrong. It's, I think it's more than twenty three million. So I might be really off. But. Um, we are a very, very small number, and most of the world doesn't care. The people I spoke to cared, but that's not most of the world. Now, how are we going to get the, most of the world to care? That's interesting. Is that something we want? Do we want most of the world to care about Israel and to care about the Jews? And one more thing. I have to um, shout out a special thank you to Jason Lipstein, who has taken it upon himself to be my publicity manager. This guy's great. He built a website for me and he set up interviews for me and he made a poster for me, you know, detailing my itinerary and he's just out there pushing for me and it's really, really helpful to have that. Um, Rest Yours Without Borders, Hasala Yudav Shomron, my organization, is Israeli. It's a 501c3. It's an American charity, but the, the people who work on it and who are the staff, and there's only like three people, they're Israeli. So I'm their U.S. face and their U.S. voice. And it's just me. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really, really helpful to have somebody else. And Jason has been just the greatest partner. And it's so helpful out there in the world to have someone kind of on your side, holding your hand and having your back. And um, it's, you know, night after night, crowd after crowd, telling the story that I've been telling about what things are like over here. And it's personal to me. Um, it really is exhausting and emotionally exhausting. Okay. And that's another thing that um, I, I found strange because the American Jews I met, the ones who say they're connected and their heart is here and they know people here and everything, they, it seems, okay, so whoever I'm offending or saying this and it's wrong, feel free to, you know, let me know. But it seems to me that they're connected to Israel and they're connected to Jewish life on Shabbat and, you know, on the weekends. Because during the week, they go to work and they're doing their American life. That's what it seems to be in many, many cases, not all cases, but many cases. So if you're an American Jew and you're secular and you don't send your kids to Jewish school and you don't work at the synagogue or you're not with a Jewish organization or, you know, you pretty much have a, um, American lifestyle, meaning you work at a regular company and after work you go out to a regular restaurant, um, those people, and I think those are the majority of American Jews, those people really are removed and 
they can't feel the drama over here during the week because they aren't even connected to other Jews during the week, at least not Jews who care about the Jewish state. Um, that I thought was kind of strange. Um, and I only got that sense because during the week I got one kind of crowd and during Shabbat I got another kind of crowd. Um, which says that, you know, during the week people are busy doing other things. But uh, it, it also depends where you are. Like in South Florida, these people are there on their winter, it's a winter home. And they, the Jews all live together and they um, all came out, you know. And also it's warm. You know, when you don't want to go out, when it's cold outside, you'll come up with any excuse not to leave the house. I find that very um, hard to take, you know. And, but me, my sister had warned me. She said, just don't expect people to be coming out to see you during the week because it's cold. I'm, I'm thinking, who cares? You know, our soldiers are cold. <laughs> They're standing on hilltops. Who cares? But people in America, and I think people everywhere, you know, it could be said even here, care first about their comfort. And if they're not comfortable and if it's too cold, they're not going to go outside. And they don't care how important that talk is. They're not going to go. And that's what people are like. They are, they want, they want to be comfortable. I hate to say it, but that's pretty powerful. And I saw it myself. So I do plan to go again in the spring. And um, it'll be a short trip. And I'll only speak probably, you know, five or six times. And that will be very different. So any of you, again, who are interested in me coming out to your community, no matter where it is, please let me know. I already have requests for um, Tampa and uh, Philadelphia. And so that's probably what I'll do. Middle of Florida and um, I'll start in Philadelphia. That's what I think I'll do. But please reach out. Let me know um, if you want me to come and I will see what I can do. And I'm going to give you the ways to contact me right now. Um, my email at the station is natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com. Again, natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com. It's just exactly as it sounds. Not anything special, no dots, no dashes, nothing. And that's how you can reach me. You know, I was walking this morning with my guys and um, it's hard to uh, record and hold a leash. And, um, you know, I, I haven't let them off the leash since I've been back, except one time when I went for like an hour and a half because I haven't just, I haven't been waking up early enough to take them so far out. So I wanted to um, tell you, oh man, I had something to say. I had something to say. Um, you hear him now chasing me. I, uh, I, I um, was home yesterday doing work and my son had to uh, go do a drill. And um, they do them a lot. 
and he told me that they are preparing for an attack where the neighboring Arabs will come from all directions. Now, any of you listening who have been to Gush Etzion Visitor Center probably saw the film of that attack in 19... Um, I guess it was 1948, I think, when the um, pioneers, the Jews, who were settling Gush Etzion, were attacked by the neighboring Arabs. It's the end of the movie, and it is the scariest thing ever, because it happens in the daytime, and the Arabs just kind of pop up um, um, amongst the trees and the grasses, and there are just so many of them. And as I was walking this morning, looking out beyond the security road, and there are different sides to Susia. One side is a major road, 317, and one side is all hills. And, you know, beyond the hills, Arab houses and stuff. Um, so they, and the side that has the road, there's, we're not against the road. We have, you know, trees and stuff and fields. There's, there's space, a hundred meters, maybe not much, but yeah, a lot of rocks and stuff. And I mean, the Arabs could attack us easy. Okay. From every side. So, um, my son was telling me that we need night vision. We need this night vision, mommy, because we just can't see. And I said, well, you can hear, can you? Because it's not the same. You've got to be able to see. And this night vision, these special um, binoculars, make everything white and movements are black. And heat. I believe it's heat that's black. So they need that. And I said, well, how much are they? And he said, they're, you know, almost 50,000 shekel. And that's in dollars, something like $15,000 a piece. They need five of them. So I'm going to try to help them find funding for that. And if any of you listening are interested in helping um, with that, please uh, let me know. And, um, you know, it's a little bit uh, scary to, to think of that happening. And, and um, I, I do see how unprepared we are. And it's so upsetting because the Arab world is so much larger than the Jewish world. And the, the Jew-hating world and the Israel-hating world is so big and they're so rich and they have so many resources that they just keep pumping into our enemies. I mean, look what Gaza has built. Everyone knows now it's, what, 500 miles of tunnels? They're comparing it to the London Underground and how it's 150% larger than the London Underground. I mean, that tunnel system is extensive. Yeah, you know, we, the, the, the guys here say, you know, and for years people have said Hamas isn't a real army. Okay, yeah, they're not a real army. But they have people training them, you know. And Iran has been training them. And Iran, I guess, has sent over engineers and built the tunnel system. I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at, right? They are very sophisticated in that way. And, and they got one over on us and we're now using all our boys to ruin it and all our boys are doing that that's what they're doing really blowing up tunnels it's, it's ridiculous
And now everyone here in Yehudah and Shimon has to wake up and say, oh, yes, they can attack us any minute. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot more of them than there are of us. Unbelievable. Night vision? They don't have night vision? What else do they have? There's a whole list I saw. They don't have binoculars. They don't have rifle scopes. They don't have um, vehicles that go out. Um, yeah, they don't have stuff. People have been, I guess, going along in their lives, not seeing the Arabs that are right in front of our face. And it's this willingness to disbelieve, a suspension of disbelief. I learned this years ago in my drama class in high school. That's what audiences do when they're watching a play. They suspend their disbelief. They willingly suspend their disbelief. So whatever they're watching, they believe. Or whatever they're watching is real to them, you know? And here, when you go along your life, it's tiring to fight all the time. And so people stop fighting and they stop seeing enemies instead of seeing enemies they say oh nice arabs oh farmers oh just shepherds they don't see that they do also want to kill us and they train their children to kill us and as soon as they get an order to attack they're going to attack Hi, I'm going to just record one more segment before I uh, put this uh, entire show uh, to bed and get it out there for you. It's been a tough week. I've been a little bit off with my sleep. I guess you all are familiar with jet lag. I thought I beat it. I did not beat it. And it's already Mose Shabbat, after Shabbat, and I just can't believe the week is done. I cannot believe it. It's like, where did it go? What did I do? Um, but I was catching up on some reading, and when I'm abroad, I try to read and grab some of the local Jewish newspapers wherever I find myself on that Shabbat. And I was in three different communities during Shabbat. The first Shabbat, I was in Highland Park, Edison, New Jersey. The second Shabbat, I was in New York City, the Upper West Side. And the third Shabbat, I was in Bal Harbor, which is um, in Miami. And I tried to grab newspapers from all those places. So I was reviewing the newspaper <clears throat> from the New Jersey area. It's called the Jewish Link. It's also another big paper called the Jewish Press. And there was this article in the Jewish Link, and it was so good. And um, I just want to recall for you some of these points because it's exactly how I believe and exactly what I've been saying. Um, I love it. The, this, uh, this person who wrote it or um, was quoted was saying that victory, what is victory? And he said victory will be um, the sounds of the crying babies in the hospital when all the women in Israel are having babies and the sounds of the music in all the wedding halls when Israeli couples are getting married and the, um, the anguish and the frustration of Hamas when they see all the airplanes <clears throat> filled with new olim touching down onto Ben-Gurion Airport. And that is so great to hear. And that is truly what we will hear when it's victory. Victory isn't just stifling our enemies and pushing out our enemies. It's growing. It's growing here in Israel. And that's Olim. And that's with new babies. And that's with new couples and families growing. And 
um, that is happening. And, uh, you know, whatever the enemy does is just causing the opposite effect. It's bringing the Jewish people together and it's bringing the Jewish people home. And if um, uh, all of you listening are considering coming to Israel and have been, you know, on the, uh, on the, what do you call it? Not sure. Um, what, what is that called when you're on the border? On the, uh, there's an expression. When you're not sure. Th- this should make you sure. Um, you know, it's funny. There are these, <laughs> these trips of groups coming over to Israel now. I love it. They're called Chizuk missions. Chizuk means strong, to strengthen. Um, I was just telling my son this, that there are these Chizuk missions, and he he didn't understand. And he was like, what do you mean? Do they want strength from us? And I was like, no, they think they're bringing us Chizuk. They think they're bringing us strength. And he was like, why do they think that? We are the ones who are strong. I loved it. I loved that that's what he said. And that's true, and and it really is very funny that these American groups are coming here thinking that they're giving us strength. You know what? Thank you very much. Um, Just come and stay. How about that? How about stop coming on your little cheerleading missions? And, you know, I know you have good intentions. It's very nice, but we are not um, a playground, and we're not... A football game, you know, this isn't something to go rah-rah and then you go back home. How about you come here and join us? How about you come here and build? How about you come here and build your family? You know, and you put your kids out there in Gaza and put your kids in the army for three years. Okay, don't come here rah rahing me and doing barbecues and giving presents. I'm like, toda, but come on. You're, you're the Jewish people. You're part of us. You belong here. You don't need to come and go. You need to come and stay. And... The Jewish communities I visited, you know, they're pretty strong. You know, they have lots of people and lots of issues and lots of challenges, and they're dealing with them, and they and they are managing them, and they have committees, and they have special dinners, and they have the rich in the community, the poor in the community. I mean, they're a big community. There's six million American Jews. I mean, I don't understand why they're investing so much energy and so many generations, generation after generation, there when there's this big, beautiful land here that is ours. It's ours. You know, it's so funny. They're, you know, wringing their hands over the anti-Semitism and, you know, giving lectures in shul about how to, um, how to react if an intruder, an unwanted intruder comes in and how they all have to take lessons on safety and lessons on first response. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you, you should be here. You know, we do that here. Everybody does that here. Everybody knows what to do here. <laughs> you know, like, there's no lecture in shul about that. People in shul are armed. Their guns are under the chairs. The soldiers that are patrolling, they come in for service. Like, the security is part of the life here. And um, there's no lecture needed. And, uh, you know, all these people who are so Zionistic, and, and they really do love Israel, and they talk about Israel, and they love Israel, and they all said to me the same thing, which I thought was really nice. They're like, Natalie, we are with you, and don't think that we think it's over. We don't, Every time I brought that up, no, 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 we know what's going on. We're glued to the news. Well, don't be glued to the news. You know, be part of it. Come here. Come home and stay. It's it's just not, it's just not right that... Um, 
You guys are building your lives there when your hearts are here. There's just no need for you to be there anymore. Israel is 75 years old. It's not a developing country anymore. There is a very high standard of living and a very high quality of life. And um, I really, I just don't see why it is, um, the, I don't understand why it is the way it is. But I guess, you know, you get comfortable wherever you are and you're born in one place and you stay there and you just are familiar with what's around you. But um, I think a lot of these people I met, they're really brave, strong Jews. And we need brave, strong Jews. We need them here. We need you guys here. And that's my show. That's what I wanted to say. So please write in, call in, let me know what you think. And I will, with God's help, have a show next week for you.